do you think that because of that meticulous process and you guys doing it at such a high level, I mean, I would assume that Harley probably was pretty impressed by that. Yeah, no one else was doing it. In the early days, nobody else was making a successful black shirt. Hey, y'all, you're listening to episode six of Canteed, a show highlighting makers and entrepreneurs in the vintage clothing space. I'm Michael Slater, a vintage reseller and content creator based in Fort Worth, Texas. Usually on this podcast, we talk to folks who are building clothing brands right now. And while Steve McDonald and Pam Stern, our two guests today, are not currently working in the clothing industry, they were dream guests for the podcast because they are responsible for some of the most iconic t-shirt designs of the 80s and 90s. They worked as artists for the 3D Emblem Corporation, a merchandise company that developed products for lots of brands like Smith & Wesson and Easy Riders Magazine. They created pieces for other t-shirt companies like Just Brass and Trinity Products, and they even released their own lines of merchandise, such as Backroads, Truckers Only, and Back to Earth. While you may not have heard of all of these names, I'm sure you know the brand under whose license 3D Emblem created their most popular t-shirts, Harley Davidson. It all began in 1952, when a retired World War II pilot founded 3D Company Incorporated, a small-scale print shop located in Fort Worth, Texas, that specialized in emblems and lettering. In 1964, Steve McDonald began working for the shop after school at just 14 years old. Around this time, the owner took on a partner named Ty Powell, who was more of an engineer and personally built new printing machines for the company. 3D started making simple graphics and iron-on transfers for local businesses, sports teams, and college fraternities. In the early 80s, the company was sold to Jim Want, who really saw the potential in some of the t-shirts they were making. Sometime around 1982, Jim was able to purchase the license to Harley-Davidson, and this is really the pivotal moment in the story of this brand. Steve McDonald, now art director of the company, and the artists that he brought in, like Pam Stern, spent the following decade creating t-shirts that didn't just embody the Harley-Davidson brand, but also the iconography of the larger biker movement that was sweeping through the states at this time. As a result, these t-shirts are a quintessential piece of Americana, and they're highly sought after today. So the legacy of 3D Emblem lives on through vintage t-shirt collectors and bikers all around the world, but I'll let the experts fill in the rest of the story. As far as I can tell, this is the most comprehensive recording of their story to date. So I am very excited and immensely honored that Steve would welcome us into his home and that he would invite Pam to join us for this conversation. Enjoy. Steve and Pam, thank you so much for being willing to talk to us. Uh, whether y'all know it or not, you guys have 
lots of fans uh, of your art around the world. So we are honored that uh, both of you would be willing to sit down for this conversation. Uh, with me is my buddy Nate of Grilled Garments Vintage. Nate is kind of responsible for facilitating this meeting, so thank you, Nate. Um, Nate, how did you and Steve end up uh, connecting at first? Um, I found Steve's Instagram page actually from the 3D Emblem uh, official Instagram page. Uh, they had mentioned him and his artwork. And automatically, I just, I was intrigued. <laughs> I uh, I followed him um, maybe for a few weeks, um, saw that he was active, and um, I think I had messaged him saying like, hey, I actually have this, this design, because um, he had, he was posting some some graphics and stuff, and he was like, oh, cool. Uh, he replied back, and then um, from then, I was like, well, it's worth a shot. Might as well ask him if he if he could uh, if he could meet up and see if we could do like a some sort of interview. Um, get to know him a little bit more. Um, I'm just a obviously I'm a big fan of 3D Emblem. I'm I'm a sort of a history buff. I I like to know what it was like and stuff like that. And just I just love learning. So um, we had we'd set up the the first interview and um, it went amazing and. Uh, yeah. Pam, how did you uh, get started making art? I made art all my life. So I was drawing when I was a little kid. And um, I drew a picture once of my mother in her bra doing ironing. And it made this big um, stink at a family dinner party. And I was like, wow, you can, uh, <laughs> you can, you can affect people that way. So um, I just kept on with it. Gotcha. Steve, how about you? How did you get into art? I, I did about the same thing. I did a picture of my uncle. He had this real cool mustache. <laughs> and uh, he was kind of like the rebel in our family. And it was just a sketch. I was probably 10 years old. I was drawing long before then. Like on brown paper bags. We wasn't the richest people in the world. I mean, grocery sacks. But... Uh, they sent that picture to my uncle, and it went just like yours. It went all over the, all the kin folks. Everybody knew about it, and it was kind of like laughing their butts off. Yeah. But it, it was a, uh, and my dad really enjoyed. You know, he really encouraged me a lot because he, he was always every time I drew something, he it was funny to him. He would laugh his butt off. That's cool. It's cool that you guys kind of had that, um, you know, some support from your families to yeah. kind of pursue My dad that. was artistic, and so really? he, he did encourage that in me. Well, my dad was artistic, too. Yeah. And so was one of my brothers. Very good. So, Steve, you got started at 3D Emblem first, right? Uh, yeah. What was that like? I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know what a screen print was or a screen, silk screen or none of that business. And it's like a kid in, at work asked me if I was interested in a job because he was trying to get out of there. Because the owner was like a, a ex-retired Air Force B-29 pilot in World War II. He was really, really a knothead. Very hard to work for. But it, after I got in there and started learning this stuff, because they had like a big horizontal camera, it was just for a kid you know, 14 years old. I said, how am I here? You know, it's like, I'm learning all this stuff. And uh, it just got, it just became a, an obsession almost. I had to learn all of it. 
because we did everything. We started off doing iron-ons for sororities and fraternities for colleges. And uh, a lot of days I'd come in after school and just spend four hours in the dark room taking shots and doing layouts. And the whole thing was a piece of acetate. You take some petroleum jelly and stick a letter font on it and make your own letters and stick it to a piece of plastic, put it underneath the screen and shoot it. That's what I did a lot of. But I did everything. Everything from, I know you probably had to wash screens out with the ink and all that business. So when you've, you've done it all and you started pretty much at the bottom, you kind of appreciate where you are. Right. So Pam, when did you come into 3D Emblem? How did you um, meet Steve? I was working at Dillard's in the advertising department and I was miserable. And I think there was an ad in the paper and I came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I came in and had my little portfolio and uh, I think you hired me right away. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't take but one glance. <laughs> so Steve was the one to interview you? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you guys, how long has it been since y'all have been in the same room? <laughs> 20 years. Wow. Yeah. At least 20. I thought it was four or five, but <laughs> what do I know? Time, time flies. Time, time yeah. Flies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been ages. So, Steve, how did you kind of work your way up to being the art director? I always felt like I was always art director. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think so. And, uh, because it just started me, you know, it's like we hired one. I think Pam was one of my first. No, I had two or three more before her. Yeah. They just didn't last very long. They was, uh, I don't know, what, what would you call Dave? He was a genius um, with problems. Most, art, most artists all had problems. <laughs> right. Way well, to get 10 in a room. Yeah. And I had another one before him. He was from New York. both from New York. Yeah. I spent the first three months there laughing. I would go home with my mouth sore yeah. from laughing <laughs> all day. It was so crazy and fun. Yeah. Yeah, Dave Gardner, he's allowed to get up and uh, break dance in the middle of the yeah. floor. <laughs> or, or do the Uncle Jed And twist. it was just continuous. He was just hilarious. Yeah, he'd make a great comedian. Yeah. Well, I've talked to him the other day, and he, well, he was just laughing. I, I said, you know, you ought to go back. He's He's got a band that he, he goes to once a week or so. I said, you know that um, Mike Tyson uh, thing, uh, thing you do, you, you imitate Mike Tyson, they sound just like him. He put a piece of tape over his <laughs> nose and start talking like Mike. I said, you do that while you're in that band, you'll have the whole audience laughing. <laughs> yeah, it's cool that you guys um, you guys had that camaraderie. Yeah. You know, and I, I think we could tell just even walking in the room, you guys kind of have that relationship. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. It's cool. It's always been there. Yep. Do you have any other stories of the art room and, and what, what it was like in there? <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> I'm sure Pam does. Oh, um, I remember having a pencil graveyard right over my, uh, my yeah. desk. I'll never forget that time you was hiding in the T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> we used to mess with Jim because I don't think he had much of a sense of humor. 
and um, and so it was really easy to get him. And he didn't know what to do. He would just get frozen. And uh, one day I was practicing swimming on one of the the crates of t-shirts. Yeah. And he just walked through. He didn't. He couldn't even say anything. You know, it was just oh my god. So. Um, yeah, there were a lot of stories like that. Well, it was it was fun, and sometimes it was terrifying. Hmm. You know, I mean, it was yeah, it was. If both. you if you was there, I guarantee you'd be laughing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you couldn't help it. So, I want to ask you about the work a little bit more. So, like, what was the design process like? Like, how did you go from a concept to a T-shirt? Like, what were the steps in between? Jim, I always went to Jim first. He told me what he wanted. Then me and Pam had our own office. And uh, we'd get in there, and like we had to come up with, what, usually about 10 designs? Yeah. And we'd start coming up with ideas, just brainstorming. Say, look at this. No, I don't like that. Look at this. I don't like that either. (laughs) (laughs) We'd love to spend half a day in there, you know, just just brainstorming. And then you got to be real clever with words sometimes. And I wasn't always that good. But together, we always made it work somehow. Yeah, and then we would assign the shirts to somebody that we thought could do the, the design better. Yeah. Because everybody had a level in yeah. there as far as artistic skills. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had to be careful who you gave what to. Yes. That, that got real tough. Mm. But um, as far as... Uh, you know, coming up with ideas, we had to do, we had a lot of books. We probably didn't have enough books. No, we didn't. Uh-uh. But we was always trying to get ideas from other designs hmm. or stuff somebody else did. Well, we couldn't rip it off, or we would not rip it off, but we get a look, that look. Because you, when you see a piece of art, you know you can duplicate it and change it and give it your, your look. Right, right. And... And then there was that eagle. So, um, that eagle? Yeah, the one that hit the windshield. <laughs> Not that eagle, the original <laughs> one. Okay, and it was a big seller. So, Jim, every time we, there was a meeting with Jim, he was like, we need a new eagle. Yeah. You did the first one. Is that right? I don't remember. Anyway, the last one, I think, is the one I did. <laughs> And it did. It looked like an eagle that hit the windshield. And <laughs> because you couldn't really change it that much and still, you know. And I actually went to um, uh, South Dakota to Bike Week and Sturgis. Uh-huh. And somebody had engraved that on the fairing of his motorcycle. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. It looked like an eagle really hit the windshield. <laughs> And we used to get tattoo magazines for ideas. And yep. occasionally uh-huh. you'd see one of our designs tattooed. Usually the worst thing we ever did, tattooed on somebody's <laughs> body for life. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we always had a subscription to Easy Rider, In the uh-huh. Wind. Uh, There's two or three others that we got ideas from. But uh, it was pretty much, uh, they, they really liked those shirts, even then. Yeah. I mean, they loved them. Yeah. So we're kind of getting into the biker Harley Davidson culture thing. So, um, do you remember, um, can you kind of explain the story with 3d and Harley and how they were kind of connected? 
I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was an accident. I think we was, I may not be, should be talking about this. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be careful. But I know we was uh, doing a lot of black market stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was 30, 40 years ago. You know, I can't get in trouble now. But um, I think we did some Harley Davidson shirts that wasn't real licensed or anything like that. Uh-huh. And they seemed to have got a hold of them because there was always people checking for Harley, you know. Yeah. They were very particular. Right. They weren't. They got more particular as time went on. Yeah. Because we could do anything at first. Yeah. Even back then, they had a picture in Easy Rider of Willie G getting on a Harley. And I said, this would make a nice design, the, the way it was shaped and everything. So I pretty much duplicated it right off the, mm-hmm. right off the photograph and put Willie G on a Harley. And it said, put your ass on some class. Yeah. <laughs> and they got mad. Wow. I think we had to quit printing that shirt. Well, they all came down yeah. and had a meeting with Jim. Yeah. And then it got, the license thing got yeah. worked out. But that was one of those things where things are, you didn't see no way of, no, they just didn't let anybody have a license. Right. But the art was so neat and unusual. That was after we got the halftones going. Well, exactly. That was, they did the first black t-shirts that yeah. worked well. You know that were that had a base underneath yeah. them and had that down by the time I got there. Yeah. So, if you can explain a little bit more about that, Steve, the separation process that you kind of invented, pioneered, really. Like, what is the advantage to that for someone who doesn't know a lot about screen printing? Some days I'd spend we'd spend an easy forty hours a week in a dark room, wouldn't we? Oh yeah, it took forever. So it was it was taking how many twenty five sh- different shots of the 25. artwork, and then deciding which piece of that artwork, what color that was going to be, and which one was the right yeah. shot for that particular piece, and then okay. ruby ruby lithing that out, and then putting the dots in. And then I had to train ten artists to do that. Wow! Which I was still pioneering myself. Yeah. You're still learning. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Right. What, wasn't real sure what I had. It was yeah. wild and crazy. I asked one of the guys that was the ink supplier, I think it's Dave, Dave Dagerda in Dallas. I said, is there any way I can uh, take some screen printing courses uh, to get kind of get more technology on where we are to improve this look? He said, guy, y'all have already improved it. Nobody can touch <laughs> you now. Yeah. yeah. Coming up, just I want to tune in real quick. Like Even as a screen printer, like these days, we don't see a lot of, I mean, I've, I've sent Steve a few of our, our designs that yeah. we've been doing lately, but like nothing really compares to what y'all did 30, 40 years ago. But I don't understand why you would want that. <laughs> That's so yeah. weird. Right. When we look a, at it, we don't see that. It's just a very unique look. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I know the answer to this, but do you think that because of that meticulous process and you guys doing it at such a high level, I mean, I would assume that Harley probably was pretty impressed by that. Yeah, no one else was doing it. In the early days, nobody else was making a successful black shirt. We had mm-hmm. two competitors. I believe one was uh, R.K. Stratman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've seen and, and Holabek. Uh, Holabek, yeah. Holabek. And I worked for both of them after I quit. So really? Did, so yeah. did I. Wow. But uh, they they could not match what we was doing. Yeah. They couldn't figure it out. Well, it's telling that 
even they came to you after, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> they knew you had the secret sauce, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then computers came in and uh-huh. all gone. Everything changes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. everything. Every, everything changed overnight. Yeah. Mm. I came up with the idea to computerize the art department. And Jim thought that was stupid. He said, you can't train an artist to use computers. <laughs> and I said, well, I, I, know, pe- doesn't hear I know of people that's doing it on computers. I read about it in magazines and all this business. Matter of fact, there's a company out of California called Winterland. Remember them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we was always getting other people's shirts and looking at them. And I'm sure they was looking at ours, too. Yeah. But uh, they had a computer department before we did. So I went and told Jim, let's get a computer. And It was Roger that talked him into that computer. Wasn't it Roger? And then they hired Jimmy? Well, I talked him into doing computers okay. before Roger ever got there. Okay. And, uh, and then Roger came along. He knew a lot about computers, yeah. but he wasn't really a computer artist. Did a, so did Jim listen to you or to Roger? He pretty much listened to Roger, and they wind <laughs> up, they wind up hiring two two more guys, Will and Jimmy Jenkins, in a, in a computer. They call it the next department, computer department. So we'd do the art, we'd give it to Jimmy, he'd do the steps. Which we didn't like at first. We didn't like it at was, first. It was just horrible. It was, the transition was. Long and painful. <laughs> it, took, it took me a year to get even close. But I believe it was old Will that was a, a tinker. He kind of messed and played with Photoshop. Photoshop, and he found the RGB and the calculations down there where you go in and separate red out of green and get blue or whatever. And that was before the dongle was, you know, invented where they yeah. just Matter of fact, plug I got the dongle right there. Yep. On this... Uh, hundred-year-old computer. And then it was like, <laughs> we got to do color artwork, and it was fabulous. And we didn't have to worry about separations. Yeah. yeah. To do it in color, because black and white pencil and spraying it and highlights, and it was a pain in the, uh, you know, other nether regions. <laughs> well, when you're sitting there trying to figure it out, what's the best way to do this? And there was probably some more ways we could have done it. Yeah. But this was the quickest and I had 10 artists in there sitting. I had to keep them all busy between telling jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of touched on um, Harley Davidson. Do any of the other projects that you did kind of stick out in your mind? I know you did the Truckers Only, and you had mentioned earlier the Nature Tees. We lost our Harley license. Mm-hmm. Probably from some nefarious business practices. And that I was kind of like somebody jerking a rug out from underneath us. We couldn't do Harley anymore. Yeah. And that that was the beginning of my end because that was my favorite thing. That and the animals. Was it? Did it take a lot of business away? Like, did it just halt a lot of the stuff that well, went I on? wasn't really in on the business part, so I don't know how much business they lost. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a hit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they got hit. And but it, it just started going downhill from there. And he, he said, Steve, I think I can do a, a line of trucker shirts. I said, trucker shirts? <laughs> he said, there ain't yeah. nothing but like three or four or 5,000 truck stops in the United States. <laughs> and they're all gift shop. Everyone knows a gift shop. Yeah. We, we did a bunch. We yeah. just sold a bunch. First year, he did about a million. The second year, he's mm-hmm. doing about five million. Mm-hmm. So it was a hit. Yeah. 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 Ugly, but a hit. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in that same vein. Do you all have a singular piece that sticks out in your mind as like being your favorite, uh, 
your favorite design that you ever made? With me, it was just all production art. It wasn't like sitting up on top of a mountain <laughs> and, and being this great artist. Yeah, yeah. Painting with oils. We had to get working. You out. had a deadline. We had a deadline. Yeah. You couldn't, I mean. I have favorites. You probably do. You I, I know, I can tell your favorites. Oh, really? Is those those rebel, the, the southest where it's at with all those motorcycles no, riding. No, that is not <laughs> my favorite. I was like, no, I don't want to do this. No, 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 no. They could not get enough of those. And then there were yeah. pinups for a while we were yeah, doing. Yeah, we you kept doing them. It's like, <laughs> no, I don't want to do this. I didn't have a favorite, really. Yeah. To me, it was all about the same as it was a job. Right, right. Pam's different. <laughs> She'd fall in love with her art. That's a bad thing. So, isn't what it? was the best one? <laughs> I did. I liked that big Indian design. That, I liked that one with the wolf. Yeah, that yeah. covered the whole I front love, of the I shirt. I that. I really enjoyed that one. I love that. And, uh, uh, the eagle that's flying over a city that never really did all that well. I've got the... That did very well. It did? Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. All those, some of the eagle designs. Almost any good. eagle shirt you did. Yeah, was, I love doing was, the eagle. It was going to be you a did a lot of the nature I stuff? I can do it, yeah. I can do an eagle blindfolded. <laughs> 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 I did a million of them. You did too. We had them coming, going, bottom up, top down. Yep. It's, it's crazy because like I see stuff online that I've never seen before. And I constantly look on there. I'm like, wow, it's crazy how many designs they had. Yeah. Um, have we thought about how many designs? Have you ever thought about how many designs we actually did? Well, we did two collections a year, right? At least two. How many was in the collection? About 20, five, 20, 15 to 20. And then we would carry some over. Mm -hmm. And... Um, 20 a season or 20 or or maybe 50 a year? I'd have to look at the catalogs. I didn't bring any catalogs. I say hypothetically, if we did 50 designs, I'm thinking we did more like 70, 80, yeah. 70 or 80 designs. Plenty of them were, you know, I did one, I did one that, that um, it was a takeoff on, on um, I can't even remember the name of the artist. There's a guy with a pitchfork and his why? I've seen oh, that yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Um, American Gothic. And, and, yeah. And, American Gothic. And the guy that used to that used to buy a bunch of our shirts, he says, "Nobody will buy that. The woman's too ugly." This sounds like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will buy that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, what is it like looking back on this? And I'm not sure how much you guys know, but 3D Emblem nowadays seems to have a cult following. Really, it's very popular in Southeast Asia, Malaysia, Thailand. It's a lot bigger than it is here, but it's big here. And we see your designs sell for hundreds. Um, sometimes thousands. Sometimes thousands of dollars. I wish uh, I'd hung on to my shirts. <laughs> <laughs> what does that feel like for you guys? Like how, what's your reaction to that? Well, I used to bring home, I had a son. His name was Bubba. And I'd bring my design every time I did a new design, I'd bring it home and he'd wear it to school. And he was the walk on the, you know, <laughs> the cock on the walk. And uh, I guess uh, probably after, you know, easy 25 years, he probably had a whole closet full of shirts. And after I divorced my second wife, I said, where'd all the shirts go? Well, I have no clue. <laughs> 
But it was a bunch of them. Yeah. I mean, you figure like one, one or two a month anyway. It was a bunch of shirts. And she had like, how I many? I don't know. She had to have at least two or three hundred. I had a room full of them. Wow. And, uh, and my son, um, I would try to give them to my kids. And it's like, my son didn't, didn't like the black t-shirt thing. And then uh, later on in life, he bought a Harley. And he goes, Mom, where are those yeah. uh, <laughs> t-shirts? He came back around. And all I had were like extra large. <laughs> it's well, like I gave that, him a few. Yeah, that's the problem when people come over. You don't see the value, but they do. Yeah, I didn't. And see. they want a shirt. Mm-hmm. And that's perfect. Where half of them went, you just yeah. give them to kid give them folks. Away. Right. It right. was fun, you know, it was fun. And then yeah, I had a friend that took him to a bar and sold him for $5 for me. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And how much it's were hard they? to see ahead how much were they worth back then how much were they selling them for like at the, at the store it's probably in the 90s wasn't it yeah 20 bucks maybe i don't even remember. i don't even think I, it was I that even, much i don't even remember we don't know what retail was. we didn't know yeah. when they became popular i've yeah. seen i've seen a few online that actually still have the tags and stuff and i i can't remember like what the price was i think it is around like the around 15, 20 yeah, 15, 15 to 20 yeah when when did they start becoming a collector's item that's the question i think I don't know. Probably I would the say, 2000s. I yeah, don't know. I would say around the 2000s, probably. Really? What are you guys doing today? What? I, I know you're both making art in some capacity, so. Um, I do everything. I've, I've got all this art sitting here. I probably got three terabytes of art. And I got to look at it one day. Why am I just putting these on t shirts? So now I'm putting them on blankets. I put them on metal signs. I'm putting them on. Those mouse pads, I'm putting them on everything. And it's like, why waste the art? You put it on everything. Yeah. Cool. And it's not been a bad living. Yeah, that's awesome. How can people uh, find that? One's called Pastime Signs. One's called Desperate Enterprise. One's called Readyville Signs. These are metal signs. And I got a blanket guy in California, Silicon Valley Textiles. I know I'm leaving some out. I can't remember them all off the top yeah. of my head. Cool. And Pam, how about you? Can you tell us about your art? Well, I went from uh, 3D. I went freelance uh, for about 10 years. And then I worked at a couple more t-shirt companies until I got completely burned out. And when I got to the point of uh, the last company I worked for closed and I was ready for Social Security. So I had been doing clay uh, for quite a while before just, just playing with it. And I got into it seriously, and that's what I do now. I have um, an Etsy store and a, a, a website, and um, and I take commissions, and I'm working on a couple commissions right now. Call Pam Art. Pam Stern Art. Pam Stern dot com. And then my um, my Etsy store is P.S. Porcelain. It's really cool that you're on Etsy because that's I, I'm sure a lot of the listeners to this are. Um, selling on Etsy and Etsy's been very good for me. Yeah. Very good. But she's selling pottery. Yeah, it's ceramic. Yeah, ceramic. Yeah. Awesome. So, do you guys have any advice for um any aspiring artists, aspiring screen printers, designers? Uh what advice would you give to someone who's It used to be a great niche for a young artist starting out artists because um, um, there were they was a bit there was a big need now anybody can do art on the computer you know 
scanning it, changing it, so on and so forth. So I think it's tougher now, don't yeah, you? I, I took a big dip in, in my income after 2000. Me too. Everybody had art. Everybody had Photoshop. Yeah. But in 90 to 2000, made a lot of money. Did very well. Too bad I didn't save it. <laughs> well, I guess I saved it. I, I, I built a house. Yeah. Yeah, you saved it. You're doing okay. But, uh, there's gonna, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You need to develop a style, something that's not the same as everything that's out there, and just work. I mean, it's that 10,000-hour things. Yeah. Um, you know, put in the hours. you got to be very focused. And it means, you know. It's kind of like Emmett Smith being in the zone. I'm sure you remember Super Bowl, what, in the 93? Those, Emmett uh, Smith was in the zone. And that's kind of the way artists has to be. Sometimes I can be working. I'm sure Pam's done it too. Be working on a computer for eight hours at a time. And eventually you're just become part of the art. Right. It's crazy. Well, I, I was more hands-on than... I didn't she, really enjoy she, the computer She didn't stuff. like computers. <laughs> but, I mean, I got a, a, a stat camera and everything when I went freelance and set up a room for that. But um, it just, it wasn't fun all by myself. It was more fun in the art room with a bunch of other crazy people. Hmm. So. Work. It's, it's, it's work. And if you really love doing it, then you don't have to be told to do it. But yeah. you have to put in the hours. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, thank you guys so much, both of you, for uh, allowing us to do this. Um, I think people are going to be really interested in this and um, hearing uh, hearing your stories. So, Very good. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Canteed. If you're new to the pod and you enjoyed what you heard, you'll be glad to know that we have five other episodes out right now on all platforms, each featuring a special guest that has a specific area of expertise within vintage. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast and you're curious uh, about some of the designs that we talked about, as well as what the art room looked like, You'll be glad to know that there is a video version of this episode as well that includes some exclusive footage and reference photos. You can find this on our YouTube channel. Just search Canned Heat Podcast. On that same note, we've released a 20-minute unedited video that we shot with Pam and Steve right after recording this podcast. Nate and I were able to film their reactions to some pieces that we brought from our closets and Pam was kind enough to show us some original t-shirts and artboards from her personal collection. This bonus content is also available on the Canned Heat Podcast YouTube channel or you can watch it on Nate's Instagram at Grailed Garments Vintage. That's at Grailed Garments V-N-T-G. As always, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and write us a comment or review if you're enjoying the show. If you know someone making waves in the vintage community and you'd like to hear them on the show, let me know at Slater Thrifts or at Can't Heat Pod on IG. By the way, I'm stoked about our next episode that will feature 
Joel Slater, a part-time auto parts reseller on eBay, but also my dad. Uh, it was really fun getting to talk to him about reselling and more. But for now, don't forget to wash cold and hang dry.